You are now listening to the Here for the Truth podcast, hosted by Joel Rafidi and Eurosimos. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 94 of Here for the Truth. Today, we have two previous guests joining us together, Bernard Gunther and Laura Matsu. These are two incredible individuals, but also um, a husband and wife. And today, we're going to talk about evolutionary relationships and how we can use relationships as a vehicle to actually grow in consciousness and become more aware and more awake, um, should we so choose. Right before we bring Bernard and Laura on, I just wanted to remind our listeners that we have now opened the doors to round four of Rise Above the Herd. So if you're interested in getting deep, in doing the work, in understanding yourself on a deeper level, in building true, authentic self-esteem, and learning how to create real value and putting it out in the world, because as you know, we cannot depend on these systems around us anymore. So it's up to you as an individual to take the necessary steps to build your life according to your own values. As we know, obviously, the majority of you listening probably don't share values with mainstream society and the systems at this point in time. All our episodes can be found at hereforthetruth.com. Um, please rate, review, subscribe wherever you're listening. And this was a really incredible, raw, real conversation. Um, and we hope you enjoy it. Take care. All right, everybody. Welcome to episode 94 of Here for the Truth podcast. We have our good friends and husband and wife duo, Laura Matsu and Bernard Gontha in the house today. Both previous guests of our platform. Laura had slightly more plays than Bernard, but that's yeah. all right. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> I see. <laughs> I'm playing, oh I'm playing, I think oh, I we, talked about astrology on that one. The astrology podcasts always go well, actually. <laughs> well, we don't know because YouTube removed us, but that's all right. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. It's all good. Oh, we good keep work. moving forward. Yeah. Um. So, like, since, obviously, 2020, the way individuals have navigated relationships have either been a huge catalyst for their growth on their truth-seeking journey, on their journey of authenticity, or it's kind of been something that's subdued to people um, as a result as well. So I really want to discuss what evolutionary relationships are from the bottom up. What does that mean to you? And and we'll go from there, whoever wants to go first. All right. You go first. I go first, okay. <laughs> well, evolutionary <laughs> astro- um, relationships, the way we see it or like what I understand it, is using relationships as a vehicle for evolution, you know, for evolution, soul evolution, for self-work, to do more inner work, they're growth-oriented, really understanding that both uh, individuals, right, have their separate growth trajectory, so to speak, but it's happening within a unit of relationship. And we can use stuff that comes up in relationship, which most people, call, you know, label as conflict, arguments or triggers, whatever, you know, as a deeper insight into ourselves, if we apply, for example, basic shadow work, triggers, childhood wounding, or any form of trauma work, just the basic psychological or somatic work, we can use it as a vehicle to become more aware of our stuff, so to speak, yeah. integrate it more and help each other. I think that's a key point of evolutionary astrology um, uh, relationships as well, that both partners can help each other to become more aware, so to speak. And um, use it as almost like as a catalyst for your own self-work. Because I can speak for myself, you know, when I, I was single for a long time into Penguin Canyon, living in the woods by myself for like almost 15 years, literally. Right. And then uh, for out of these 15 years, I was single for seven or eight years. And I was deeply immersed in the work I'm doing now, studying, doing self-work, going really deep, you know. 
Uh, but I also hit the wall because I also realized there's only so much quote unquote self work you can do by yourself, right? So naturally, the next step was kind of like, you know, engaging more in a what we call conscious relationship and conscious relationship kind of relates to evolutionary relationships. And it, it, there's almost like a paradox because no relationship is truly conscious, <laughs> right? Uh, for me, a conscious relationship is that we make the unconscious conscious, right? To really be more aware of what's happening. And again, use that as a vehicle for growth. Uh, and use each other as mirrors, you know, not that the relationship is all about work and processing all the time, but you kind of, you know, um, also help each other kind of self-realize or self-actualize, you know, as there's this great quote I like from, I forgot his name, but it's the author of The Little Prince and that true love is not uh, looking into each other's eyes, but gazing into the same direction. Mm. Yeah, basically, we've seen that relationships can go in two ways, like sleep or wakefulness. So you can use relationship to kind of, uh, kind of prop up your insecurities, make you feel better about yourself, you know, mm. just push you to sleep or comfort you. And that's fine, you know, occasionally, or you can use relationships to wake you up. And that is not for everyone. I think it takes a certain type of person and you really actually have to be committed to that path yourself to want someone to help you with it because it's not easy. Like him and I call each other out all the time and we have to like learn how to deliver it in a very compassionate way because it's not easy to have someone see so clearly what's going on with you, point it out in service of helping you become a better person. Um, so that's what we're kind of seeing. And we're seeing that a lot of people basically want deeper relationships, but they have no idea how to get there. Like they're so like, it's ridiculous. Some of the stuff that we see in our, in our programs and like, you know, they're really good people and really, uh, you know, heart centered, lovely people, but their relationships are a total mess and disaster. And so we see that there's a lot of work that needs to be done even beyond the regular psychological work, which is, I think is a foundation, but really like, you know, getting clear on rather than using relationships to just kind of like keep you secure or, you know, to have like an identity in the world is like, what are your relationships really about? And if you're on the path of awakening, the quickest way is to actually surround yourself with people on the same path who can actually point out things that you can't see yourself. Yeah. What what do you think is the, the biggest challenge for people, obviously individuals that maybe haven't done certain levels of deep inner work or haven't done the work to, let's say, have a more regulated nervous system that then they get into these relationships and there is chaos. So like, what do you recommend that they do? Because, you know, for myself and my wife, I think, um, like you both said, you know, we call out each other, we call each other out, but we've done a certain amount of work where we have the yeah. capacity to hold space for, for what they're saying and to listen and then to look in the mirror and to take responsibility. Yeah. You know, I think that's such a big thing instead of just playing the blame game left and right. Totally. And it really, you know, I think you need to do a certain amount of self-work before you even get into a relationship because the nature of the partner you choose is really key actually. Mm -hmm. And so if you get into a relationship with someone who isn't interested in accelerated growth or even interested in changing whatsoever, you know, you're going to be their worst nightmare if you're a growth oriented person. So the first step would be look at the nature of the partners you choose and see if that's a continuation of like unhealthy childhood patterns, and there's definitely work to be done. And I don't think people need to be fully healed before they enter in a relationship. Mm -hmm. I think most stuff actually yeah. just comes up in relationship and you don't know. 
but you want to understand the nature of your own values and the people you're choosing to be with, because that's the first critical step where people probably get derailed, actually. Yeah, it reminds me of a book that really I really recommend that helped me a lot in my process uh, dealing with, you know, healing from relationships and understanding my own patterns. It's called How to Be an Adult in Relationships by David Rico. And he beautifully combines shadow work with some Buddhism, spiritual work with the hero's journey, kind of like tying that into the relationship aspect. And he mentioned like, you know, in order to be in a growth-oriented or conscious relationship, you must have done already 50% on self-work on yourself, like Laura said. And I'm thinking to myself, 50%, how do you gauge that, right? Uh, but basically what he meant, this is just an you know, arbitrary number, symbolic number, but he means that you have done enough self-work or understand enough of basic psychological concepts that you are self-aware enough to know when you get triggered, right? And not, you know, become... <clears throat> And don't project on the other person or the fall in the blame game. So you have a certain awareness. Doesn't mean that you're fully healed, but you know how to apply it. Now, with your question, if you're in a relationship and stuff comes up and no, both partners don't know how to handle it. I mean, um, that's tricky because most relationships, the vast majority of the relationships, they break up because they don't know how, don't know how to, and don't understand relationship psychology, don't understand themselves. Mm -hmm. They mistake the romantic phase for love. And that's why then look for the next partner next over and over again, divorces and all of that. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, if both people are, you know, not, not, I think ideally then both people would engage in the self or go learn about it, which is easier said than done because usually in our experiences working with people in couples, it's mostly one person more quote unquote wakes up, wants to do the work and the other person is kind of lagging behind. So... Yeah. That's but then way. also yeah. people can use that yeah. as a, that's a very common projection yeah. people have is like, they'll, they'll read like a self-help book and then they'll be like, you need to do this yeah. instead of me. And then yeah. they immediately project on their partner when it's actually more interesting to see how, when you apply this work and you truly change, how that can also change your relationship as yeah. well. Yeah. I love that, that in terms of like, sometimes you don't need the other person to change. If you just do what you have to do and focus on your work, yeah. the dynamic shifts. I've seen it. I've seen it in myself. I've seen it in, in the relationships that I witnessed around me that like this idea of wanting to control the other person, let me change you. Let me change mm -hmm. you. It's like, well, if you just change yourself, who knows how that's going to shift the, 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 har the harmonics between exactly. you and your partner. Totally, exactly. Yeah. And that's what we had to watch out too, because we're both very knowledgeable and then we can... Huh? We use our psychological as, as, knowledge as weapons. <laughs> huh? I've been there, man. I've totally been there. I totally get it. All and it's us. like, if, you, yeah. if anyone who's done like even parts work, you know, it's like you start doing all these these studies and then you, you get you gain this part. It's like the psychological yeah. knower, the one that knows, yeah. that has yeah. the answers, that's going to point out everything. And it's like, that's not a place a place to, to yeah. come from. Yeah, yeah, but it's a key point, especially like uh, Joe mentioned the past two years, because a lot of people will see that wanted to be more around like-minded people, right? Especially if this is what's happening in the world, to be on the same page regarding the medical treatment and all the other craziness that's happening in the world. But, you know, people can use this also as a bypass and avoid it because it's not just about being like-minded people, this intellectual understanding, you know what I mean? Too many people, I, I fell into this trap many years ago myself, they want to almost be with a copy of themselves. <laughs> like you need to believe exactly the same things as I do and then it's the only way it can be in a relationship. Yes, there need to be a certain alignment in, in values, worldview and all of that. But more importantly, it's really the growth oriented aspect of the inner work rather than this kind of intellectual alignment of belief system. Right? Yeah. I also think people... Um, they think that like their relationships are supposed to be like totally peaceful and calm and they're not supposed to get into any arguments where it's like, mm. I think how you, 
like how you engage in conflict. And then when you step away and you're reflecting on your role in that, and then you can come back and communicate in a certain way and both parties take responsibility for their role in it. That's where the bond deepens and grows. Like, cause, cause totally. spiritual bypass can find itself in a relationship, especially if you're, if you're a spiritual person and you're like, well, no, everything has to be great and love and light and we can't argue. And if we're arguing, that means our relationship is doomed, yes. which I think yeah. is further from the truth. Yeah. yeah, that's the romantic projections. I just want to maintain this like idealist uh, image of love. I think that's also, you know, certain people I've noticed from doing astrology charts, like, you know, if someone already has like a lot of Pluto contacts or squares in their charts, they tend to like growth. Well, they tend to be on the path of growth, whether they realize it or not. Mm. And then some people do like things easier. So you also have to look at the nature of the person like you know, like we're very Plutonian, we're very compatible with each other, you know, but it does get intense sometimes. Mm. But if when I was in relationships with people who weren't interested in growth and probably stayed the same way that they were since high school, basically, it w- it didn't work out because our growth rates were really different as well. So you want to like consider that when you're in a relationship is like, you may like growth to the like, you know, 10th, 10th level, but this other person may like to more slow, steady change or may not even want to change at all. Yeah. I mean, conflict is, I mean, there's two types of relationships. Some like, uh, based on this, this model we studied, what's her name again? Ellen Bader. Uh, Ellen Bader, um, relationship, uh, therapist. Really great Are you work. talking about the, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You want to share about yeah, that? Yeah, I can share about that. I, I can, I can explain a bit better. So there's basically in developmental couples psychology, you know, after the romantic phase ends, there's this really important phase called differentiation. And there's two types of couples uh, and couple styles in that differentiation stage. You know, this is where you come apart again from that romantic phase and you start to usually fight and have conflict, etc. One of them is a hostile, angry couple. So these people get in very big fights. And that's not to be a judgment. Like we actually get in like pretty explosive fights when we go at it. But then there's a conflict avoidant couple who never want to talk about anything Mm. and just push things under the rug. So both of them need to learn conflict management strategies and differentiation. Differentiation meaning like learning how to listen to what your partner share a different perspective than you or even feedback about you that you don't like without kind of taking it personally and getting too enmeshed with their kind of experience. Like just allowing them to be their own person and speak, you know, a different point of view or even point out things that they don't like about you or maybe characteristic to show characteristic traits that you don't really like in them. And so that's a really important phase so that you guys can also maintain your individuality and then there's a coming together again after that but most couples break up because of failed differentiation and like you know the con the hostile couple who like battle it out they maintain the passion but they're kind of also trying to keep each other the same in their fights you know whereas the conflict avoidant one um they tend to just push things under the rug and they're kind of like I don't know if you guys ever know couples where it's like they're kind of like ships passing the night and they're roommates at that point and they don't mm-hmm. have an emotional bond. That's that more avoidant couple. So, yeah, ironic, actually, um, you know, you can be in a relationship. So it's quality of a quantity. People can be in a relationship for 20, 30 years, but be conflict avoidant. So there's a lot of things unsaid. They don't yeah. share anything. They're just... You know, I mean, they avoid because there's also codependency. Just there can the be like affairs that happen as well because yeah. they're just kind of like not actually talking to each other yeah. anymore. And actually, according to Ellen Bader, that relationship therapist who work we studied, she said that uh, more hostile, angry couples, they actually more care more about the relationship and really want to work things out rather than conflict avoidant. And so it's commerce, you know, but it ties into what you said. There's a stigma around like when, you know, Hollywood romanticism programming or spiritual 
stuff about the twin flame nonsense and all mm-hmm. of that, that you're always in harmony and everything is blissful and you have always the greatest sex and love and everything goes just up into the sunset, you know? <laughs> yeah. Can you actually talk a little bit about the twin flame thing if you want? Just because people bring that up. I mean, I just see it constantly for the last, yeah. I don't know, 10 years on Facebook or social media, yeah. just over and over and over again. And, and I'm just like, okay. Yeah, yeah, it's just like new age romantic projections, basically. Like, yeah, it's basically actually there. There's there's truth to the concept. There's truth to it. Yeah, yeah there's from, truth to it. There's I can share a little bit from um, there's a tag tradition like esoteric Christianity, which is something I've 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 delved deep and not to mistaken with the dogmatic Christian religion, right? There's mm-hmm. the I'm sure you guys know the inner circle, the esoteric the mm-hmm. teachings. And there's a, a work I studied by Boris Moraviev, um, the Gnosis Trilogy, G-N-O-S-I-S. And he talks about the polar couple, the fifth way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, of doing esoteric work together with a, um, a, a man and woman that are polar, in, um, the, they have a certain polarity. Not to mistaken with the polarity teachings out there, which is a whole other can of worms. <laughs> we'll get to that. Know. We'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, so meaning they are suited for each other, but the key aspect of the, uh, of, of that kind of quote-unquote twin flame union is that they're both partners have done a right, enough esoteric work that they're connected to essence and truly yeah. can uh, recognize the other. Sri Aurobindo talks in the same concept about the spiritual union, the psychic union, but there's certain prerequisites. And the number one prerequisite that both men and women have to be evolved to a certain level of being to be able to connect to essence and recognize the other the person on that level. And you cannot actually truly have that union unless you are already developed to a certain level. And the, the, this new age distortion, I mean, I looked at the different um, signs of the twin flame union. And like, it reads to me, like, if you understand basic psychology or trauma bond, trauma bond, trauma bond. Like, like a classic avoidant catcher, attachment what stuff. What was it? Chaser, yeah. hunter or something yeah, chasers, like that. Yeah, like they have just, all these. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then it ties also another work of my colleague and friend, Eve Lorgan, The Love by the Dark Side of Cupid, which is really like more called interferences in relationships and the counterfeit twin flames. So this is a whole other issue within that as well. Um, but yeah, I think the twin flame stuff is just a lot of traumatized people like using that as a spiritual bypass. But and they, I have, get, they but- get themselves into, you know, situations that um, that are extremely, extremely, um, you know, but they're lying to themselves in the sense of what the relationship is really all about and trying to make it into something which it is not. And I have, but I have to say, you know, the fact that it's so compelling to a lot of people in the spiritual community shows that like it's of mythological importance right now. Like people yeah. want that kind of relationship that's more spiritually orientated, I think. Um, it's just whoever designed like the checklist for what a twin flame is. It's just you can see that they don't understand basic relationship psychology. Actually, they're like, if they run away, if they're married to someone else, when you meet them, that's a good sign. And it's like, oh, my God, like these are all red flags. Yeah. And so I think that people are drawn to this because they want deeper, like soul based relationships, basically based on true self to true self, not the persona, which is, think, which is most matrix relationships are just yeah. like, you have the right persona for me. I have the right persona. Yeah. We make each other look good, but on an essence level, they may be even repelled by each other. Mm. Yeah, you're right. I think that's what we see. There's definitely almost the collective need for deeper relationships and everything because something is happening. We cannot deny it in the positive sense. I see it's a quote unquote awakening, right? That's why you guys, you do your work. We do our work. There's something that's happening, right? The friction is increasing. So relationship naturally needs to change. 
So people are looking for something more deep and more profound, but then they can easily latch on, on these concepts. And, on these, yeah. yeah. So let, let's correct it. What are some of the green flags for like a positive relationship? Hmm. Mm. Um, Well, first, you got to know yourself, know your values, you know, like what's really important to you. Um, I think like speaking for myself, like I remember, you know, the worst time, the most difficult relationships, which were really, really bad relationships in the sense of really like disillusionment, uh, difficult breakups when when I, when I became very desperate. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Looking for a partner. I got to need a partner. You know what I mean? With all the projections. Yeah. And before going to green flag, the red flag was actually is the is almost the romantic like the projection, the the butterflies in the tummy, like oh my god, you think about this person all the time. When, when Laura and I met, um, <clears throat> it was more like a sober recognition, you know, not not in the sense, yeah, there was kind of emotions involved and obviously like uh, attraction, but what not is overwhelming, like oh my god, you know, she's the one and all of that. There was a deeper knowing. There was more like a, I don't know, there was a. It came from a deeper knowing place rather than just an emotional infatuation, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think you're also describing secure attachment because I think that like, you know, securely attached people who are really are looking for a long term relationship enter into relationships a bit differently. Whereas if you're insecurely attached, you just fall head over heels for this person, ignore the red flags, you know. So you really want to look at the nature of how you attach to people and what you're looking for, you know. And also the desperation too. The desperation is usually a sign that there's a part of you who desperately needs love and doesn't think it's worthy of love. And so that's why you're desperately trying to make this person, quote unquote, love you or give you attention. Yeah, ironically, in my case, the moment uh, I stopped looking for relationships, then, you know, and I kind of like I'm focused more on becoming all of them myself. But then, as I mentioned before, then I noticed like, okay, you know, there's only so much self-work. I feel kind of the need coming to be in a relationship, you know, but it came more from a more healthy place rather than desperation place, meaning I was not attached to it. I wasn't even like, quote unquote, looking or, you know, like the, you not even engaging the will, it felt more than putting an intention out. And even Gurdjieff said, or basically, or was it Carl Jung? I mean, um, you know, with the shadow projection, as you guys probably know, there's positive projection, right? The golden shadow, we overlay onto somebody. It's like, oh, put them on a pedestal. That's kind of the, the romantic yeah. phase. And the more you have this kind of romantic phase, the more projections are involved, right? So the harder will be the fall. So the more you've worked on yourself, integrated your shadow, actually the less intense will be the romantic phase. It's almost counter... Uh, intuitive to what we have talked in Hollywood, right? Yeah, the positive projections (laughs) will be more, they'll they'll be there for sure. You don't want to say they're not going to be there whatsoever, but they'll be less intense. You won't just think, oh, like basically when people fall in love, they substitute the person that they're falling in love with for their relationship to the divine, basically. Mm. So if you feel connected to something higher or deeper purpose in your life, you're not going to make one person like this kind of whole, like, you know, holier than thou relationship, which is what a lot of people do in the beginning phases. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally hear you. When I first moved to LA, um, 2013, that was a big change moving from New York city to Los Angeles. And I, I went through like, like a dark night of the soul. And I got into two short-term relationships that like, I probably wouldn't have gotten into prior, but being in, in, in California, what am I doing with my life? Am I going to continue on this acting path? Am I going to continue on the personal development path? I didn't know. And I just got attached and desperate and wanting connection. Mm-hmm. And these were in relationships that just weren't ideal for me. And at the same time, they were what I needed for my growth because they woke something up within me yeah. and 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 to have an ending of a relationship in a certain way that had never happened before there was definitely a deep teaching for me and kind of like 
crumbled me in some way, but I think prepared me for it when my when yeah. I met my wife. Like we met in like a uh, somatic bodywork training. You know, we were just friends for like six months first. We like mm. enjoyed exactly. we enjoyed each other. We were like, oh wow, someone I could talk about psychology with and all these interesting things. It didn't have that same like that like hunger and that hook mm-hmm. that some of these yeah. other types of relationship have. And I just felt like, um, yeah, it just, it, it was a relationship that started in a completely new way. And here we are eight years later and doing our thing, you know? Yeah. There's also this psychological concept called repetition compulsion, where you feel comp- like a compulsion to repeat the early childhood relationships and attempt to heal it. So when we feel this intense, like falling in love and we don't even consider, does this, what is this, what kind of life is this person? Like, who is this person, you know, Mm -hmm. in front of me, it's a high probability that we're repeating something in the past and attempt for our psyche to resolve it. Not realizing that like, I mean, you kind of learned the lesson from that experience, but we've seen people get caught in that repetition compulsion for like decades, literally, and not realize that they're stuck in this negative cycle that's just showing them that something needs to be looked at within themselves. Yeah, but I would say you made some two very important uh, points. Number one, that any relationship we ever had was the perfect relationship we needed and we could only have at that moment. Mm-hmm. Right. Too many people go back, regret or blame their partner, yeah. their blame game and all the time. Mm. But if you understand it, you only attract that which you need to learn from and what yeah. your level of being. Yes. Right? So the deep lessons within that. Yeah. And that that uh, relationship I, I had, like, like it was the first time I was broken up with. You know, usually mm. I had the, I had the, humbling. The, yeah, <laughs> I had I had the control and I was like, fuck, you know, and yet like e- even in those moments of like just the deep pain and just laying in my bed or in the bathtub, or whatever, like I had mm. enough of consciousness where it was like, you're awesome. This is the medicine you need, you know, yeah, just, yeah, just, yeah. just be yeah. with it, you know, and, and in that moment of my life, like I was just allowing it to to be there. Like I, I had been off all substances. I, I wasn't partying. I wasn't trying to go like fuck the pain away. You know, I was mm-hmm. like, listen, let's just let's just embrace this. Let's take this all in, and and, and it was painful, but I think it was it was necessary for me. Yeah. I don't think I would be the man I am to my husband today if I didn't have that experience. <laughs> Your wife, so, right? <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. Did I say husband? husband. Did I say I wouldn't be the man I am to my husband. Yeah, I think I, I think I'm uh, I think I'm uh, yeah. Sorry, don't add us like that. <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry, everyone. Sorry. Everyone, episode 93, Joel Eurosimos, come out of the closet. Uh, but yeah, I don't think I, I, I'd be the man to my wife that that I think, you know, she deserved and even for myself. So anyways, yeah. I think that's going to be a real, bro. That's going to be a real. That'll be great. Right? <laughs> sure. I'll, I'll counterbalance this argument. I guess my wife and I connected from a definitely insecure place after listening to all this. I told my wife mm-hmm. I loved her within the first 45 minutes of us meeting. Oh my God. We awesome. pretty much lived together ever since. But in hindsight, I definitely see the places we were coming from. And it's been an extreme amount of work to get to where we are now. Um, but even from that starting point, for anyone listening, um, if there is a deeper essence of shared values, if you are on the same path, it can still be corrected. Yes. But yes. You're both exactly. going through at an extreme amount of shadow work can, together. At any yeah. point in time, you can correct it, actually, yeah. even decades into yeah. the wrong yeah. path. Yeah. And also, upon, I mean, uh, uh, we also, you know, Laura obviously works on astrology, composite charts, synesthy charts. Each relationship is so unique. You know, so it's important that while there are archetypal rules, relationship psychology, each relationship is different. So we cannot never compare. Mm-hmm. And what you should, I'm sure, yeah, you got with your wife early on, maybe in your life, we both were very young, but I'm yep. sure you guys had your own rite of passages then within that. And it could have gone any other way, right? Mm. Did one of you have secure attachment though? Like one of you kind of like have that kind of like a, a positive family figure role model that had a connection to you? I, th- I think so, yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. That helps too. <laughs> you you, you yeah. both might appreciate this because you, you know of human design. Um, and my wife and I were both emotionally defined in human design. And I shared this story before. Mm. And like within a month, uh, no, within the first year of us dating, she tried to break up with me three times because I, my value system at that point was kind of like, I don't know if I need to get married. Like, I'm cool. Let's just do our thing. We're fine. And she, yeah. her value was like, I want to experience marriage. I want to be with someone mm-hmm. who wants to get married. Yeah. So one time we came back from some, I think it was like some, um, it might've been even like a relationship uh, conference or some seminar. And we're sitting on the couch and she's just like, we're, I'm ending this relationship, you know? And she was really emotional, you know? And I kind of was there. I was emotional with her, but I, I kind of dozed off during the argument because it was really late, you know? And then I think I woke back up and and I... She wasn't, she, wasn't, she wasn't super pleased. It was really late, tired. But I remember saying to her, I was like, I was like, babe, listen, we're both emotionally defined. Like, you know, you don't, probably don't want to make this decision when you're at the height of an emotional wave, you know? Mm-hmm. And so she went to sleep. She woke up the next morning. She's like, oh, thank God we didn't break up. And so this is where like having tools like astrology or some of these other systems that can highlight, you know, how you are as an individual can can help the relationship because i think a lot of people they're just like they're just they're, they're floating around they don't they don't have like they're not grounded uh, in yeah. who they are and also you know by knowing your astrology by knowing your human design or whatever the case would be i think it can like help ground you a little bit and understand yourself on a deeper level that's yeah. why oh, we, yeah, 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 yeah. So we have conflict sometimes yeah right? yeah we have a lot of intense like aspects in our chart as yeah. well so we've had to kind of use it as a guide to kind of understand how to resolve some things for sure yeah yeah, I think, I mean, understanding your natal chart or whatever, whatever system you use, you know, but the natal chart in, in tropical astrology and synastry and composite are really important to understand. And the composite is really like the fate of the relationship in many ways. Well, not to say that it's predetermined, but it'll show you kind of the archetypal energies you guys are working through, you know, yeah. so we have like a lot of fourth house stuff in our in our composite and that's like you know early childhood stuff so we've had to really heal a lot of that stuff in our it relationship comes out our it comes shot. up yeah. even without yeah. us even without us knowing that it comes up it just gives you a good framework that you know mm-hmm. kind of you know what you're working with and where you need to and how you need to work with it yeah helps you like you said become more objective you know you use mm-hmm. it as a lens yeah you know? yeah yeah, yeah. Mm. sure so what is love <laughs> oh damn I made a document. I think I was, that it's a very uh, well. For starters, I think that what we understand as love is not actual true love. It's very different. Like from David Hawkins' perspective, he says that love is like at a five hundred and forty. I think on the map of consciousness, and he says that eighty percent of people are below a two hundred. Um, and courage is the first step above the two hundred. So I think that you know the true state of love is something that is without condition. And so it's not just love for your partner, although that may kind of be a little spark of it, but you actually are in a state of love towards all of life. And so most people, I've only glimpsed, like I've only been in that state maybe like twice in my life, you know, um, after like a lot of meditation and, and even being in India and being highly charged places. Um, but I think we can reach for it, you know, but I think that what a lot of people think is love is just emotional attachment, basically, unfortunately. (laughs) Yeah, actually, I was laughing because I made this documentary 10 years ago, 2011, 12 years ago, something like that. Love reality in a time of transition, you know, about the new age. And that opens up actually with the Beatles song, What is Love? You know, love is all you need. And then Mm -hmm. putting the question, what is love? You know what I mean? Because it's been, we always talk about it. 
And I always go back to Krishnamurti, my favorite spiritual anarchist. Um, he always defines by the negative. Okay, before we can understand what is love, what is love not, right? Mm. So is, you know, what does it mean to love your country, to love food, like these abstract concepts or belief systems, right? Is that love? Uh, is love jealousy? Is love control? All these kind of things. So mm. in my understanding experience, love is a state of being or related to your level of being, meaning how you much in touch your, with your own essence or your true self. Right. It's unification. It's a type of unification, but it would be unconditional. Yeah. Meaning, like when you're in that state, you feel like that towards the the guy working at Seven Eleven, your dog, nature, a garbage can. Like that's that would be a true state of love. What, and what's, I, what's the film uh, with uh, Steve Carell? Love Lamb, love uh, when he goes around. Do you remember I don't that? Know. I, I don't no, know. I don't know. Oh, yeah. I didn't see that one. Oh, no, no, with the news anchor. What's his name? Oh, oh, uh, Anchorman? Anchorman, yeah, yeah. And there was okay. Steve Carell in it. And he just like, you know, that, that nerd. And he yeah, just yeah, 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 finds yeah, yeah, love, yeah. love lamp, love teapot. Yes. <laughs> just kind of yeah. like, sorry, just I just had the seen flashback. It's, no, it's no, no worries, no worries. Um, no, I loved all that. And also like, you know, I come from obviously a, a Greek background. And, you know, the Greeks, ancient Greeks, they're known as having six words for love. Yes, yeah, mm -hmm. that's you know, so, a good point. Yeah. We say love and it's like, oh my God, well, how do we define it? And then the Greeks, you know, they had Eros, which was like sexual passion. They had uh, Philia, which was deep yeah. friendship. Mm. They had Ludus, which was uh, playful love. Agapi was that love for everyone. Um, Pragma was like a long-standing love. So those people that are in like a long-term relationship and there's just this deep knowing of each other. Yeah, and and also, of course, uh, self-love, you for know? My, except for my understanding, there's a Turk tradition is also that love is actually, love is equals, not love is knowledge, right? Mm. Love is gnosis. So it's not necessarily a feeling. I think that's mostly mistaken as a feeling. But it's something, the ultimate love we're yearning for, even unconsciously, the state of being, right? Yeah, that's based it, on, it no, is on a, truth. It's, it's and a truth, deep knowing. You know, in the sense and of like... And honestly, it's very rare, actually. Yeah. It's very rare to find people in that true, like, state of love consciousness. Yeah. Yeah. Because so. I, when I look around, and if I'm being honest with myself, a lot of it's conditional. Yeah, you know, I feel like totally. a lot of love is conditional. Like yeah. the minute, the minute your partner, or someone in your family, or, or your friend does something that you don't like, yeah. it's almost like there's this pulling away. You know, there isn't this acceptance. There isn't this knowing and and deep connection. So it's interesting to observe in myself and even in others. You know, because like you said, it's rare. It's extremely yeah. rare. Yeah, yeah, and it's very hard to maintain th this kind of frequency in a world that's at this level of consciousness too. We yeah. don't keep that in mind, especially being in the U.S. right now, you know. Because, but it can't. But it, but David Hawkins did say like one person above five hundred can affect like hundreds of thousands of people, you know. So, um, you know, our true power is in raising our consciousness at least so it, that we can start kind of climbing the ladder and get to you know, even just courage, even if people could get to a state of courage in their everyday life and kind of live from that state, they're already operating a level of consciousness above a lot of people. So and then it's been also abuse. We can go back to the new age, you know, love and light, you know what I mean? Everything oh, yeah. is love, all this is love, the spiritual bypassing, you know, and then mistaking love for just like always being nice and gentle and harmony, you know, be, but love is forceful sometimes. Sometimes it's, it can call you out, you know, that's love, right? <laughs> on, yeah. Setting a strong truth. boundary, you know, exactly. setting a strong boundary, like there can be love behind that as well, you know? So yeah. or maybe, maybe love is truth. Yes. Yes. I would, you know, truth like you guys with capital T, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so that's the ultimate, what is truth? That's, that's a whole other topic. You know, I think again, 
I think in this, uh, we all, everything, truth, love, all these concepts, these big words we use nowadays, mm. I think we're constantly working towards that. You know what I mean? Like simply like for me, the enlightened state, awakened state is a more objective state of being to see the universe as it sees itself, to see with the eyes of the divine, which none of us are there yet. But we're working to that, right? Now, even with seeking truth, we have maybe little truths about what's happening in the world, but that's the, in the end still subjective truths in light of the bigger picture of, you know, we never, never understand even the role of evil. Something maybe bad needs to happen before something good can happen. But we see it through our little lens and like, oh, this is horrible and all these kind of things. We don't see the bigger picture. But the more we evolve, the more objective we become. And I think true love, uh, you know, from with the big T, truth, perspective is this more objective view to see things as they are without judgment, which yes. it's easier said than done because we right away, we judge and we project always, right? If it's okay, I want to ask you like, what, um, what practices do you two use to kind of keep you on, on the, the evolutionary path together? You know? You mean relationship wise? You mean yeah, relationship, yeah. Relationship wise, like when things do come up, you know, like how do you navigate them? Um, yeah. Um, what? We have lots of conflict management strategies because we're very Plutonian and we can really, he has yeah. like some strong Mars placements. I have, I a, I have a strong Mars in the seventh house. So when we battle it out, we really go at it. Well, first rule when it gets heated, time out. Yeah, that's yeah. the main thing. The, number, the first rule is that if we're in fight or flight or freeze, we take uh, a break. And I know, it, I know it sounds crazy, but we have to take as many breaks as are necessary because yeah. you can't actually have a reasonable conversation when you're in fight or flight or freeze. It's just not possible. Like even your prefrontal cortex just goes right offline and you're not even thinking anymore. Yeah. On a basic psychological level, I have more anxious attachment. You have more avoidant attachment. Yeah, I, mean, I think I'm a bit all over the place. A bit all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that's number one rule. And then... Um, we have ways of like, we have this kind of listener communicator exercise that mm -hmm. we do. And we also do in our coaching. So basically, you know, one person shares from an eye place how they're feeling, yeah. they pick one issue to talk about. And then the other person basically needs to be an active listener, not defend, not cross complain, not blame, uh, not yeah. get triggered. Like, I mean, you got to manage your anxiety in these exercises. It sounds easy, but it's really hard especially when your partner is sharing something that they're upset with you about. So it's about kind of role playing a little bit um, and having kind of structures so that when you have sticky conversations, we're like, okay, we're going to do our listener communicator exercise with each other, you know, yeah. um, so that we can, we have, we have basically tools to work things out basically. Yeah. And we also have agreements, you know, in conflict, you know, that, we aren't allowed to, um, you know, like, like, what are our conflict rules? No, just, Sometimes they go out their window, to be honest. Of, <laughs> <laughs> uh, cussing, like, really, like, like, attacking personally. Yeah, you know. blame, um, yeah. shame. If the other yeah. person's caught in that, you uh, know, the other person needs to check them on that. Um, and really sharing. I know it sounds really simple, but sharing from an eye place is really important because rather than, you know, externalizing, be like, you know, I'm this way because you're this way. Yeah. You're really owning your own internal experience. And that's easier said than done. You know, like none of us learned this growing up. I grew up in a very chaotic household. His parents were more conflict avoided, I think, you know. Yeah. So you have to learn tools to manage your differences and, and also manage your anxiety in the face of your partner telling you something that you don't want to hear. 
That's a big thing, you know? Yeah. I think the challenge for us is something in our particular setup that we also, we work together. We are, yeah, we, that together. Is, it we is have the a biggest business part. together yeah, yeah, and yeah. our personal yeah. life. So yeah, that's yeah, been yeah. actually the biggest struggle over the past two years. Yeah. That's why we like, we just came back. We need to like consciously make room for the relationship. Okay, let's leave the business besides you know, and, and boundaries, boundaries has been a big that. lesson, yeah. you know, not letting like work stuff interfere into like all aspects of our life, which is really hard. I'm sure you guys know as an entrepreneur, mm. you know, cause you kind of got to be on the ball. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a particular situation. We also have rituals too. Like even just this week, we decided like every morning, we're just going to touch base and have coffee with each other and share with each other. You know, these little moments of like, just kind of touching base, I think are really helpful. Um, as well, because we kind of spend our days doing different things. And it's like good to kind of, you know, constantly like water the plant of your relationship without being enmeshed in it at the same time. Yeah. Mm. You guys should throw kids into the mix. Yeah, uh, we're, <laughs> <laughs> we're thinking that, about it. That'll evolve your relationship. Yeah. <laughs> that's a whole yeah, other level. Not that I know, but we, yeah. have, a, we have a very needy it. dog, which is good practice. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Same, same here. Yeah. Uh, Everything that you mentioned is so freaking hard. Like none of this work is easy by any means. It's taken yeah. me so long even just to get to the point where like I don't take things personally to the degree that I did. But also yeah. like I want to talk about how can people use their relationship as a mirror to their childhood wounds? Oh God. Mm. Like it all comes up the way that you feel about yourself, the way that you relate to others, the way that you are able to emotionally connect to others. Yeah. A lot of this really templated very young, you know, into your brain and yeah. you have to kind of be willing to reinvent yourself in relationship, especially if you didn't have the greatest childhood. Yeah. So, you know, but it's very clear, um, you know, because humans are made to attach to people and have healthy relationships. So we almost by, basically by design. So when we're not doing that, something happened usually. And if we don't feel safe enough to open up to people, usually something happened. So yeah, that is, for example, it's like uh, us as an example, if you, you mentioned before evolutionary astrology of a lot of aspects in the fourth house, the home. Yes. So being aware psychologically in our conflict, sometimes come up, I can literally see myself sometimes or, you know, when I'm conscious enough to regress back to that inner child. Yes. Right. That didn't get what it needed from his mom back then. And trying then, to get it from her. And then vice right? versa, we're constantly projecting our parental images out onto the world. That's another thing. So like my relationship to my father can show up in my projections towards him. His relationship to his mother shows yeah. up in projections towards me. So you really have to have the level of self-observation to realize that what you experience in your own psyche is not actually what's happening out there in the world, which is a very advanced technique, you know, because you have to be self-aware to observe your own thoughts and then create some distance between what you're having going on in your own psyche and what's act, who your partner actually is. And it's, it's very hard sometimes. So I think, you know, learning how to work with your triggers and projections is so essential. And it's easier said than done at the same time. You know, we still, I, I think we kind of see each other a lot more clearly now. What do you say from the, from the beginning? Yes, absolutely. I mean, also in the beginning, we had to also had our own romantic projections, you know, yes. that fell, had to fall away. Yes. Right. And then the stuff emerged. I mean, based on the David Rico's work that, that I just mentioned before from How to Be Not in a Relationship, he said the true marriage from an archetypal sense starts after the romantic phase is over. Yeah. yeah. Right. And so that's when you, the true person emerges and you have to deal with the shadow. And, um, you know, we definitely feel like, you know, we have also, we feel like our work has really taken off 
you know, what we also present to the world ever since we were together. So we are very complementary in that sense, right? There's a deeper purpose going on. But at the same time, there are a lot of lessons to be learned within the relationship, right? So we also want to keep it real. It's like, it's not like, oh, we could market ourselves as twin flame experts, right? <laughs> like, can I play that game? <laughs> but we know, but that's not who we are either. You know what I mean? We yeah. want to keep it real. And then our relationship, you know, has, has its, its challenges, but we use it all as a material um, to become more conscious and more aware and grow. That's really what it comes down to. Yeah. yeah, I think it's so powerful to, to, to witness. And, and I think moving forward to seeing two people, you know, together, um, co-facilitating and being real, you know, it's not all just like, oh, everything's perfect. We're so enlightened. We're so involved, <laughs> you know, and it's just like even having this real conversation, like that's it. That That's the work right here. Yeah. We talk about the great work. Yes, this it is. is. This is the great work in relationship. Messy, man. It's, it's not, not fun, thing. actually. No. When people say shadow work is fun, they no. actually don't understand it. <laughs> no idea. It's <laughs> not. I mean, to, to get triggered, okay, and to be in to be in it within in a in a yeah. relationship, and then to hold space for it, and then to step away and to reflect and to really like you know you have that part of you that just wants to point the finger and be like you you you, and then it's like then the other part of you it's like okay, well what what did you do wrong? Like how, what what is What's your role in this? You know, yeah. it takes a lot of work to be honest with yourself, you know, and yeah. then to let's say you did do something disrespectful and then to go back to your partner when you both have come out of that place where you've been triggered and to sit and to, to be like, hey, listen, you know, I'm really sorry I hurt your feelings. You know, that yeah. was kind of fucked up. Yeah. You got to do, do those repairs as much as possible and you have to do over things a lot because our... You know, I know if I'm speaking for myself. I know that my default ways of relating were like from my parents who used to argue all the time. So I've literally had to like relearn a whole new way of relating, which just goes actually against some of my default patterns, you know, to criticize and to like mm-hmm. just, you know, blame. So, you know, you really are overriding very well trodden neural pathways and you're creating new ones, which is not easy, actually. It's, it doesn't come natural at first, but then once you realize that, you know, it yeah. does feel better in your connection to have those moments where you kind of, hey, could I say that over in a different way or just, you know, um, acknowledge the part that you played in it is a really big piece of it. It can just change everything, you know, and and also, you know, this kind of relating extends to the whole world. It just it starts in your little relationship, but then it creates a different way of relating to the rest of the world as well. That's more conscious as well. And I think that's why kind of, you know, using your relationship for evolution is really important because I mean, if you see what's going on in the world, like we have these kind of two divisions in society and they're not talking to each other and they're just projecting on each other. You know, people don't know how to actually relate to each other anymore. And that's starting in their home. It's starting in their family. I think that's a key point that understanding that all this is relationship beyond intimate love relationships, you relate how you relate to anyone and everyone, right? Yeah. Nowadays, it's with this internet and everything. It's just really, if you don't dive deeper into shadow work and really apply it, it's very humbling because then I realize, mm-hmm. fuck, I'm projecting all the time on this person who I have no idea who this person is, but he triggered me anywhere on Facebook. Fuck that guy. Look at myself. You have the awareness because my mind can up the story and feeds of that. Like there yeah, finds more reasons and rationalizations why you don't like this person. Yeah. And like, instead of like, hold on, why is this really getting to me so much? Was it, what is it within me? Yeah. Right. And that's, that's the difficult battle and more within myself. What I notice now, even my own process that the hardest battle is really not out there. You know, it's more within myself. 
uh, be, be it within a relationship or in the world in general, you know, because once you realize how most of your actions are very mechanical and, and not, there's no consciousness around it or thoughts very mechanical, mm. like loops. And also being humble, you know, a lot of the things we teach, you know, uh, I understand intellectually, be it spiritually, psychologically, finding great, but there are moments where all of this goes out of the window and, you know, yeah. and it's almost like hypocritical, but, in, you know, in the moment I, I don't remember or she doesn't remember and then we're like, fuck, we have to apply what we teach as Which well. Which is a sign that actually <laughs> the prefrontal cortex and you're in fight or flight or freeze because yeah. your logical, rational brain needs to be online to even use any of this stuff. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's pretty amazing when you sit there and you say, oh, I've done this work. I've read all the books. I've done this. And then and then a relationship comes into your life or a relationship ends and you're like, oh, fuck. Yeah. You know, yeah. because it's, it really is my, I mean, yeah, I've had a lot of growth and learning when I've been on my, on my own, traveling, backpacking, whatever. But the, the real, the real shit I feel like has happened for me. That's kind of like supercharged my growth has been in partnership, you know, because yeah. I can't, I can't run away, especially if I don't want to, if I want to stay in it and I, and I value the partnership. I have to be real with myself. And another thing I want to bring up, I'm curious your thoughts on this, is that when you do come back together after, let's say, uh, an argument or a conflict, and let's say one person does say, hey, listen, I want to take responsibility. I'm sorry. But to to just be able to say I'm sorry as opposed to I'm sorry and then let me explain all the things you did wrong as well. You know, like I, like that's that's yeah. a little bit of my pattern where I'm like, listen, I'm sorry, but if you didn't do this, if you didn't do that, then I wouldn't I have behaved how I, you know? Yeah. So, I don't know. I'm curious your thoughts on that. Like that, that I do that too, actually. <laughs> I'm yes. like, I'm sorry I hurt your feelings because you, because you did something wrong. <laughs> yeah, I think you just like for me, you know, this is actually where the psychological and the spiritual really weave together because yeah. as I've kind of developed my own spiritual practice, my voice of conscience gets very loud and I feel guilty in a mm. healthy, guilty way when I do something wrong. Um, so I have to own that, you know, the, the guilt is a function of conscience and being like, okay, I got to do this over, you know? So, I mean, just, it can be simple. You don't need to add an explanation be like, Hey, I didn't like how that conversation went. Can we do, can we do it over? Be like, Hey, I'm sorry for snapping on you right away. Can we talk? You know, it just, it can be something really simple. Yeah. Humility is key without not mistaking humility for self-diminishment. Right. Yeah. Mm Um, and also I was going to say in, in light of, um, owning things like, yeah, you want to just own them without kind of retaliating, right? <laughs> without attacking the other person and just be honest, uh, which is easier said than done. I think it's just a matter of like, like Laura said, there's, it's very important to understand nowadays that there's a healthy aspect to feeling shame and guilt. Yes. Right. And we've yeah. already thrown it out of the window. It's, an, it's, a, it's a function of conscience. Yeah. Right? That we can over, like a lot of people, many of us deal with toxic shame where we beat ourselves, uh, beat ourselves up even more. Right. And that's based on childhood. But, you know, if you really mistreat your partner or somebody else, there should be uh, the voice coming, hold on, that was, that was wrong. That yeah. was not okay, you know? Yeah. And that's what we need to listen to. It's, it's, it's the voice of conscience. Yeah. Yeah. Like that voice in me just goes, yo, that was fucked up, bro. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then I just got to allow myself to feel the feelings of that. Because this is where, again, you can distract yourself. That little, that little whisper of guilt, shame comes in and you're, you're off to the self-soothing mechanism. You're off to the distraction. Exactly. As it's a little to, voice exactly, comes up for yeah. more and, and, and it's important, but many, uh, we also notice not many people are in touch with that. No. Well, it's, as it's, long it's as... much more tempting to blame and like go off and then even maybe publicly on like mm-hmm. blaming your, you know, your ex and all of this. And because it's kind of, it creates almost a dopamine hit, right? Yeah. It feels good to be self 
self-righteous. You're yeah. like, yes, <laughs> I'm right. You're wrong. The self-righteousness, you know, John Bradshaw wrote this amazing book called Healing the Shame That Binds You. And Excellent he says book. that yeah. self-righteousness is actually one of the faces of shame. So, mm. you know, you see that everywhere in the world, the shame projections, like shaming people over the past couple of years for mm. not doing certain things, subscribing mm. to certain ideologies. This yeah. is a sign that this person actually has a shame based identity, which means that at their core, they think that something is fundamentally wrong with them. So they've developed this righteous, mm. self-righteous persona that gets to tell other people, you know, the best way to be, but it's all coming from shame. Mm. So in order to actually feel healthy guilt and shame, you have to have to deal with that talk shame and whatever shit is around that basically because you can't access it in a healthy way if you hold that toxic shame because what will happen is, is if anyone points out something you did wrong or not so great if you have a shame-based identity you'll go into this like spiral like downward spiral of like oh my god like I'm the worst in the world and then you know, try and cover it up with addictions or projections or whatever, you know, we mm. did a whole podcast about that, didn't we? What was toxic it called? shame, yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Karen is actually a big lesson in our relationship even too, is that we had to look at the ways that we had shame based identities. So when it came up in conflict, we were kind of like blaming each other out of self-righteousness without realizing that like, no, we have something both going on inside ourselves. I also tended to like in my relationship patterns, more codependency and like actually beating myself up. Yes. Like judging myself, making it even worse than it is, taking on too much. Right. Um, So that came also from from childhood. (laughs) Excuse me. Yeah, you mean like over over overbearing responsibility to like a degree exactly. that's realistic. Yeah. 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 yeah no, for sure. Um, I mean, life life's easy when you're perfect and you do nothing wrong, right? <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Not everyone can be like Bernard and I. <laughs> uh, two six two profiles, right? Yeah, that's all right. Oh, uh, are you guys both two six twos? I'm a six two manifesting generator. Yeah. Laura is a 5-1 manifesting generator. Oh, nice. I'm a 5-1 generator. So we got the same human design combo on our podcast. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. D- different, different. Um, we're both gener- straight generators. You guys yeah. are both MGs. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And cool, I'm, cool. I'm emotionally defined. Laura's is not, uh, the sacral is not defined. Sacral. Yeah, I don't, know, uh, I don't know what that means. Uh, I got gotcha. enough, enough space in my brain for astrology. No, <laughs> no worries, no worries. That's cool. It's two six twos and two five ones. Nice. Mm. Awesome. So we kind of touched on this, but just, I guess, to make it clearer, when two people come together from a place of not having done the self-work, um, mm. what what causes them to be attracted to each other? I guess can we extrapolate what a trauma bond is on a, on a deeper level? Mm. Mm. I mean, it's usually a lot of conditioning from childhood, like, you know, not only how their parents' relationship were, but their opposite sex parent, what they were projected on, you know, so some people are projected from their parents, you need to get married, you need to have kids, you need to do this and this and this, you know, so we have a lot of like deconditioning that needs to happen before we can even enter into an evolutionary relationship because even even some people we talk to actually in our programs like they may want relationships that have been subscribed to them by society and their family and peers and culture so i think a lot of i mean there are different levels relationships sometimes also just what calls in esoteric christianity the general law meaning the just the you know the process of nature just biological attraction and just nature has an influence over the attraction for the sake of uh, um, procreation. procreation and all of that, you know? Yeah. And then just based on personality and all, I think, but a lot on that level, I think a lot of, and my, I'm not taking myself in, uh, out of the equation, a lot of the attraction happens or why we're attracted to people or certain people attract to us is 
completely unconscious. Yes. Yeah. The reason yeah. why we think we're attracted to the person or, or she or he is attracted to us has nothing to do with what we think it's consciously about. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. I learned that the hard way quite a few times. So, you know, until it reveals itself and you realize actually unconscious child wounding trauma, uh, you know, seeks that relationship almost to recreate that what we experience in childhood. That's kind of basically a trauma point, right? Yeah. Unconsciously well, recreating... Well, if you had trauma. <clears throat> if you had if, trauma, if you, yeah. if you had, yeah, it could just also Depending be... Depending the type of trauma and, and all If of you that. didn't have trauma, it would just be a recreation of like what you know relationships to be via your parents, you know? So yeah. if you want to stay on that track, then you can just fo- follow the same patterns that they did as well. I see yeah. that a lot too. Yeah. So I, I, I see... Yeah. I was going to say, I see also too, like, you know, the whole that whole saying, opposites attract. Is yes. that I feel like people unconsciously get drawn to one another because the other person's holding an aspect of themselves that they either haven't developed or they've repressed. So it's almost like this person's coming to you as a sign to reintegrate this lost aspect of yourself, That's- you know. And in the beginning, you know, that feels all warm and fuzzy because yeah. it's all happening unconsciously. And then after the the romantic period that you called about, those these little differences are the things that cause so much friction and challenge that end up leading to a lot yeah. of early well, breakups. Gurdjieff, for example, said you, uh, people can be a perfect uh, match based on the persona, personality, but a complete incompatible in terms of essence, right? And then another uh, yeah. note, uh, for example, you can have the most amazing sexual connection and like attraction on that level, but not be a match on the on on an essence level for for a deeper relationship at all. It's just biologically driven, you know. For example, and then uh, you know, I don't know if you guys get into like uh, Carl Jung's anima animus piece because this is mm. what comes up in opposite sex relationships. So, like to the degree that our anima or animus is unconscious, we'll project those qualities onto yeah. the opposite sex. So, you know, um, you see this kind of just like so basically my own animus, which is basically my own connection to spirit. Um, if I have that unconscious, I will project all those qualities onto him and his own anima, which is his own connection to soul, to the extent that he's unconscious of that connection, he'll project it onto the woman in his life or people who represent that to him. So, you know, uh, it's very, it's a like, I mean, the, the relationship that we talk about in evolutionary relationships really has to begin inwards. It can't be an externally th- seeking Basically, thing. Basically, anonymous integration is the alchemical measure of the inner male and female. Yes. Right? Uh, not gender related, just the, the qualities. Exactly. Exactly. It's like the divine, it's a divine union within, essentially. Yeah. Okay. So let's kind of bridge to obviously out there in the world of social media at the moment, it seems like every single person wants to be a relationship coach. You know, we've got these polarity teachings on, on steroids, so to speak. Um, you know, what are some of, I guess, the, the misconceptions or the, or the, or the flaws around what a lot of people might be consuming by following all these accounts that, you know, all of a sudden are teaching about relationships and what it means to be a man, what it means to be a goddess. Yeah, I I mean, like people would be better off just like learning about secure attachments (laughs) than getting into these kind of like theories that kind of these sub communities make up, you know, because it is really just sub communities making up theories and then kind of running with it. Um, And what what would you say about that, honey? Well, I think it's yeah, uh, good observation, Joel. I think it's really I was also what's all this polarity stuff, these these new relationship teaching coming up, you know? Yeah, and I look into it, and for me, it, this is—it's not you know—I can see some essence. I'm not—I'm th- never the type of person to throw out the baby the bathwater, 
right? But the way I see it is almost a mechanical reaction to the woke left of of just trying to destroy the traditional family and the masculinization of women and feminization of men. Of men. So now it gets the other extreme. We need yes. to be a dominant man to lead the woman. Traditional the woman needs to be Christian submissive. kind of like. Right. Um, <laughs> but what I see when I just observe, just on a basic observation level, I see yeah. a lot of very wounded men and women drawn to these teachings could more benefit from just some basic psychological inner childhood work, shadow work, projection, anima, anima's projection. That's really what That's polarity. pretty advanced. But no, though, no, but what I'm saying with yeah, polarity. Anima, I think the, the, the anima, anima's piece is like the missing link in the polarity and teachings. I think that's what they do. They want this hyper-feminized, this hyper-feminized woman and this hyper-masculized man, mm-hmm. which is not really, it's almost regressing back Right. And I think that's what we see with this whole left versus right um, issue as well. I remember, by the way, and that I watched uh, Michael Tessera and you guys had on. Right. And I think you asked him the question or like something about what he sees more the rise of a more far right naturally happening. And I think that's that's a danger in that. Yeah. That we get caught up in this in this this duality there. Um, and and miss, miss the boat. And I see this even with relationships, there, it should be more traditional going back to the old, good old days where the, you know, the man was in charge and all of that. But what is missing is this alchemical marriage of the inner man and female for both. So they both become whole and not hyper-masculized men or hyper-feminized women. I think that's that's kind of like the blind spot there. Yeah. Yeah. I think that like also people are kind of sick of the left and they're kind of like going to the other side of the pendulum and they're like, oh, we got to go back to traditional Christian values. And it's like kind of like role playing what my grandparents used to do, basically. And the fact fact is, is we've actually I'm not saying like, you know, we're more conservative and traditional in some of our values, you know, Mm -hmm. but that we we've evolved actually past that and we can't deny that. And I think people are wanting to regress to like the old days in this romanticism, you know, like I've lived on a farm. I've grown my own food. My grandmother was a very traditional woman, you know, but humans have evolved past that as well. So we kind of have to, you know, include that. And rather than being like, oh, we just need to do this and this and this and go back to this traditional life and everything's going to be okay. I think that has some value in it for sure. But I think that times have changed now too. I think that the whole polarity move is mostly also based on like just behavioral changes, just yeah. you should act in a certain way or role playing. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It's, it's like it's pers- personality development. Yes, personality development, which never works out great in the long run. Yeah, and I yeah. almost f- feel like a spin off the maybe you guys are aware of this this the pickup artist movement. Oh, yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, it's almost it's like a, a seduc- spin off of that. It's a seduction that. kind uh, of thing as well. Um, you know, and then the man, you know, like almost women are desperate looking now for a provider because that's the role of the man, mm-hmm. you know, that can be very easily abused. Yeah. And then how can be women more seductive to or more submissive? Yeah. I mean, we had one, uh, you know, we have, uh, I've known uh, people um, that have kind of engaged in this, some of the polarity teachings and part of them. Um, and it, it's, it's done it related uh, resulted in even more abuse with this whole submissive dominance play yeah. and all of that, which, you know, some people are not, how can yeah. I say, can take it way too literal. Yeah. 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 And it's and weird I, because like, you know, it's not a secret how much your early childhood templates, the way you relate to yourself and the way you relate to others. And then people don't want to look there. They want to like go into like, Oh, polarity. That sounds interesting. They get very almost fascinated with the novelty of like whatever is a trend of the day rather than actually just like doing just the basic ground. And it's not even basic, but like just doing groundwork, you know? Yeah, I think people, um, they just really want to grasp onto a 
very black and white view of reality. So it's like if one thing's wrong, then the other thing must be right. You know, if New Age yes. is wrong, then oh, Christianity must be the answer. Oh, that's another et cetera, one. Yeah. Et cetera. And without so, willing yeah. to really observe and understand yeah. what's going on. But like again, I mean, to me, this is where like human design helps. Like my wife's a manifester. She's never going to surrender. <laughs> you know, that's, <laughs> that's just the reality. Yeah. 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 For sure. So do you think there's any truth to the polarity teachings? Like obviously, yes. do do yeah. women naturally want more safety and security? Do men naturally want to be oh, yeah. more yeah, there is there is there yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's why that's why it's so seductive, because it is based on th- yeah. this truth, you know, like even with Bernhard, like the other day, I was like, can you just go in the restaurant before me? I just feel more safe when you do that. Yeah. Like little things like this, you know, like it makes a difference because, you know, women by nature, I think we're more open and flowing and they need that kind of container yeah. of the masculine, you know, like even before we met, like I kind of had my sessions and whatever, but I didn't even structure my purpose until he came and provided the container. Vice versa, like my creative energy also kind of helps him with his work. So, you know, like the masculine and feminine need each other. And I think that, you know, especially with the whole like genderlessness that's kind of going on and like, there's all sorts of gender stuff happening right now. And I think that the polarity stuff is kind of an answer to like what is true in nature. It's like part of us returning to maybe some sort of natural order instead of this weird distorted version of it. I think that that's what it's trying to aim towards. You know, it's like, it's almost like it's a necessary pendulum swing, but it's not quite the the way. It's it's not fundamental differences between men and women. That's really what it comes to down to but yeah. I think the polarity is, is taken too far we have seen even one popular yeah. polarity coach saying you know what I mean if you if you as a man think you have an inner feminine you're feminized and 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 just you know living heard, a lie I've, or like I've, this is I've seen thing. that yeah. oh you know <laughs> you know what we're talking yeah. about <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. totally yeah, um, yeah I think also too like these polarity teachings are also playing up on the on the fear porn too of like the world's gonna end the world's gonna collapse yes. so it's like you need to find your the man who knows how to hunt and kill people and do all the things <laughs> yeah, not exactly. to say that those not, not, to, not to say that those skills aren't the, yeah not to say that those skills aren't great to have you uh, know I mean I, I with everything going on I'm realizing okay where where can I gain some new skills and learn yeah. but it just feels like that's what I'm seeing in the in the in the in the oh, social sphere that up. like people are no that's yeah, a yeah find your apocalypse that's a really yeah. good point because even Jeffrey Wolf Green when he talks about relationship psychology he talks about Taurus and the second house being kind of like the basics so that's about survival so you know my grandparents probably got together for survival because my grandmother you know probably couldn't even own a house back then so there's this part of the reptilian brain mm-hmm. that can get into survival mode and make you know a lot of bad relationship choices and it is kind of crazy you know we've got inflation you know it's like impossible to buy a house these days you know so that never underestimate the part of that brain and like just what it will do in order to yeah. feel safe and secure yeah i mean that's kind of the we are in the, the dark ages that we have to all watch out in our own ways uh you know not on relationship but how the we can easily fall into the fear point, the fear frequency. And then the reptilian man get, gets engaged and they need to hustle and like only me, 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 fuck everybody else. You know what I mean? And then we lose our integrity. We lose, we lose our like uh, North node, so to speak. Right. Or like our guidance, our connection. Yeah. And with, with relationships, I mean, that's, uh, you know, 
unfortunately, that's, you know, they also, the whole polarity thing, they're also taking advantage of what we talked about, that people are looking more for deeper relationship in the sense. People right? are desperate, actually. Des- the desperation. Because yeah. it has been like, I mean, you guys are in yeah. relationships, but I know from doing sessions with people that the people who had the hardest time over the past couple of years were single people who had to go through this all Hard. alone, you know? Yeah. And never mind even people who were in relationship who their partner wasn't on the same page with them, which is a whole other story. But, you know, when times get tough, like, you know, we are in a psychological war still. And so being alone in a war is not usually a good strategy. So this is happening, you know, I think for good reasons for some people as well. Yeah, it's really strange. We talked about it the other day because we definitely don't align with the left Vogue. We're more conservative. But also these labels. But then I see like what's happening. There's this weird manosphere Bitcoin maximist, Christian, Christian, dogmatic, dogmatic. right-wingers. I don't know what, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not down with that. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. but this is is the flip, you know, this is the flip that we're seeing where it's like, okay, well, we don't like the left, this this left side, but then let's completely flip to the opposite. But it's just part of the evolutionary process. And and this is where discernment comes in because, you know, people are being influenced. Yeah, you can go. Uh, sorry, and Carl Jung actually said that the polarization was necessary for the third thing to emerge. So we have a third thing that's going to emerge out of this. Mm-hmm. We just have to stay with the friction without identifying with either, basically. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I see it in my, in my own my own life, even when the past, like when I got really into health and nutrition, you know, in my early to mid 20s, like I was like a food Nazi. I was like the health Nazi. Like I literally was just yeah. like pointing everything out. And then it's like, then you come to this kind of healthy place where it's just, you just feel more balanced around it, you know? So I feel like that's what's ultimately going to happen on, on a greater scale. Joel, you were saying something. I was just going to say, like, will that third thing come? Or have we just been flipping back and forth if we look throughout it, history? It could take a while. <laughs> I, 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 that's a good question. I always question myself. Has it always been going like this? You know, like the yeah. no, the principles of the like polarities constant. I think something is exal- accelerating. So both extremes become more visible and more extreme in that sense. Yes. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, as you guys maybe know, I'm deep into, I've gotten deeper, definitely into Sri Aurobindo's work, integral yoga. This is my practice. And I'm really going deeper in this inner work and really aligned with this vision that we are transitional being. We haven't completed evolution, right? Yeah. And I had got my good friend Neelish Marek, who's my Indian friend, who's also deep into Sri Aurobindo's work on our podcast recently. And we talked about this, you know, what's happening on the left, even with this whole gender dysmorphia and transgenderism, it's almost an external distorted manifestation of what of a process that needs to happen within, which is the alchemical marriage, male and female within ourselves. Yeah. Because ultimately we are actually destined, you know, to become the Gnostic being like uh, in Shirobindo's vision, so to speak, hundreds and thousands of years in the quote unquote future of the many lifetimes where we have really transcended death. Right, where we don't need to, you know, don't don't need to eat, don't need to consume anything. Really, have crossed the barrier out of the animal uh, body, so to speak, and become a spiritual Gnostic being. No need to reincarnate, um, and where there is no gender anymore, actually, but in a more spiritual sense, truly transformed the whole. Uh, the yeah, whole it's not body. just like wearing a dress and painting your nails and, and wearing and, and a wig, getting surgeries and, and all yeah, of that. That's right, not... I think that's kind of like that. You know, from what I understand, because of my own process, I don't see things that black and white anymore, right? Because if you're really honest in the deeper, you see there's certain truth even on the left, but it's twisted, right? <clears throat> and that's how the quote unquote devil works. It takes, takes a bit of truth and kind of perverts it or distorts it or exaggerates it, you know? Yeah. So there's, you know, so I think it's kind of like, um, 
aligning itself, but there are many, many distortions right now. And, you know, I think the third is emerging, but it's, I think it's going to take some time, you know, and we have, yeah, we have a long way to go. I don't know if it will happen too. Like I, yes, yeah. like if you look at kind of uh, the cosmic cycles and we're going to enter 20 years of Pluto and Aquarius, 20 oh. years of Pluto and Pisces, Pluto and Pisces will mark the end of a cycle. And like, I think we need to get out of this weird materialistic mindset that you can just like, you know, basically just get surgery and make yourself to be a woman. That's a materialistic mindset. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't acknowledge the existence of, the immaterial. So I think that that's the age we have to move out of. And I don't know if that's going to happen because we live in a very materialistic age, like trust the science, trust the experts, like all of that is like kind of a, the mantra of the times. Yeah. So, you know, we'll see. Curious times ahead for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I won't be alive by then or maybe yeah, I will actually. Back, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not incarnating after no, this but These are crazy <laughs> times. I mean, for me, for me personally speaking on another note, I mean, I've been it's like truth seeking for over 20 years since the 90s and like writing and pointing things out and all of this. And now there seems a new wave of truth seekers, which is awesome. Yeah. But I'm also done over with that, the truth community too, you know, there's always externalization and pointing yeah. out and, and you realize we talk the other way too, even with people, some, there are some very unstable individuals in the truth movement as well. Yes. Right. For sure, uh, for sure. You know, and there's a lot of nonsense in the conspiracy world out there as well, which people yeah. just go run with. Well, I think, you uh, know, like I posted a video today about like Dane Rudgar's concept of the seed person, you know, the seed person is basically, they hold the seed of the next era that we're about to see born. And, you know, I think we do need, you know, people like you guys, you know, who are self-actualized human beings who have a vision, have a purpose, who are actually out there doing something, creating something, you know, like we have so many people who just want to just complain about what's going on and just kind of consume. It's like, no, we need Mm. people who can actually have the strength to take action and to build an alternative, you know? So if you don't like the school system, build your own homeschool school system or like, you know, we really need people who are also good workers to kind of actualize the vision for the future that they have as Mm. well. Yeah. Yeah, I think anyone that's been on this true seeking journey for a while, is, I feel like it's coming to this point. Maybe not everyone, where it's just like, okay, great. We, we know how the systems are, but what are you doing about it? Yeah. How are you shifting your life? How are you shifting yourself? What are you creating? What are you producing? You know, what are you standing for? And you, you, you brought up a great point. Like, even, um, you know, I talked to people in California and it's like, you know, well, create your own homeschool pods. You know, do you have the necessary inner strength and self-esteem to just kind of, it might be more inconvenient, but what are you going to do about it? You can sit here and complain all the time or do something. And, um, you know, that's definitely something Joel and I are about in terms of the work we're doing is that caters to truth seekers to be like, okay, now what? You know, how are you going to step outside the matrix a little bit and create the life that you want to create based on your value system? Exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And Jordan Peterson has this talk where he's like, I forget what he said in the beginning, but basically if you notice a problem in the world, like that's kind of your cross to bear, to bear, you know? So mm-hmm. each of us has our thing where we're like, oh, I wish it wasn't like that. I wish it was like that. You know, that's your problem. Actually, you have to do something about that. That's your responsibility. And yeah. I think, you know, with, with us, actually, what we found is like, you know, I've been to therapists for forever. I've been through all sorts of spiritual programs as well. And I don't see people weaving the two together enough. So I'm like, okay, well, that's my problem. I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to create something to solve that problem. And I think we really 
are going to need people who, you know, Saturn is about to enter into Pisces. You know, we Mm. have this really long Saturn Pisces. I think it's like three years or something. You know, we need to kind of constructively make our dreams become a reality or or else we're going to get very disillusioned with where society is going because it doesn't, it doesn't look good right now. No. Saturn Pisces may increase the whole dogmatic Christian thing, by the way, which is going to be a pain in the butt. Yeah. And, 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 and just basically, you know, on a practical level, wherever it's going to be transiting is like your karma yoga. You need to work in that area of your life. You need to put in like the kind of Capricorn industrious discipline and do work in that area of your life. But I think we're going to have a lot of like disillusionment and, you know, we're going to see the rise of authoritarian religions, dogmatic religions again, because people tend to kind of revert back to that as a trauma response. Um, The good thing though, is I think that a lot of this kind of new age stuff will get kind of uh, destroyed under the lens of Saturn. You know, Saturn will take away anything that's not of value as well. So yeah, we're in for yeah. quite a ride. I mean, we're definitely seeing that, but I'm noticing way more people on Instagram and my Facebook threads that are just doing the complete flip from the new age to like Jesus. I know. Oh, really? like a lot I now. know. Yeah. I know. It's a, a lot, whole movement. A lot more than I thought. So the fact that yeah. you say this whole Saturn and Pisces thing, I'm like, wow, I'm really curious to see how that's going to yeah. play out. Yeah. And for some of these people, they might come back. Yeah. And they might come back to a much more like center place after they go through this polarization process. We have a good good friend uh, who is a a young uh, psychologist. What did he say about uh, Yeah. That like, you know, when things get too chaotic, this is basically how the reptilian brain tries to create structure and order, like the Bible. Like, this is what the Bible. Yeah. They need that kind of like just structure. You know, it's a way that their psyche finds order, basically. And I'm not saying there's, you know, I'm sure there's very valuable teachings in the Bible, but people latch onto it as a way of like, okay, this is the answer. And if I believe in Jesus, I'll be saved, you know? No, when, I, have, when, I, have a, I have a close, close friends and somebody was used to close, who was converted to become a Christian, you know, like because of all of this. And I can clearly see it's a trauma response, right? Uh, based on his upbringing and all of that. So a lot of these are trauma responses, right? Just latching up onto a belief system. So you know, and again, there's some there's some grain of truth in it because what's really needed, what's what what the collective or the the evolution of conscious trying to give us is to bring God back into the picture, the divine, That's what's, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the initiation, but it's kind of distorted um, through this dogma and, and holding on to a belief system and the superiority and and you know G, only Jesus saves, and then at the other extreme demonizes everything else, right? Every, like everything and, satanic that yeah, is yeah, not everything. <laughs> but you know what, Dane Rudgar, you know, who's like the grandfather of like the transpersonal astrology that we practice, that a lot of people practice now, he said near the end of an age, so the end of the Pisces age that we're in, the archetypes get exaggerated, which I found to be really fascinating. Mm. So the Pisces ultimate archetype is Jesus in Christianity. So you see that being exaggerated. On the other side, you have this like crazy neurotic, health crisis masking up which is like the dark side of virgo you know Mm. so i think it's also a sign of the times that like we're just going to see like you know just all sorts of extremes that's also going to be a pluto and aquarius thing we're going to see all sorts of extremism pop up you know like we thought pluto and capricorn was wild like wait till it goes into aquarius exciting times Exactly. I think Elon Musk will like probably play a part for, for better or worse as well with this yeah. whole transhumanism. And like, I mean, it's going to get crazy. Like in the, at the end of the 20 years, I think we're going to see a lot of inventions that we didn't even think was possible. Yeah. yeah. Such an interesting character, like so tricksterish, you know, like 
um, yeah. now playing the whole conservative card. It's so it's yeah. so weird to watch. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. Mean, you mean Elon Musk? Yeah. 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 It's very interesting. Um, I, I kind of wrote in my, I, I, I don't trust him. I don't trust him. No, yeah, 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 right, yeah. Obviously. But I'm also like, you know, I, I, I stopped getting away from like, oh, he's the undergrad, he's the evil, he brings in transhumanism. It's like, you know, if you, people's roles are not that black and white to me anymore, you know? Like, I think what's happening, like Laura said, transhumanism and all what's happening in the world, the Great Reset, it's inevitable. I think it's going to happen. They've been working through it not only hundreds, but thousands of years. I mean, if you've yeah. even re researched Great Reset World, World Economic Forum, that started already back in the 70s. I mean, they're not stupid people. And you have to give, they've been working through that long range going for a long time. But how it plays out exactly is still up to us. But I think some things are inevitable in the time that they're going to happen. Yep. And then we we bring our own. That's why it's important, like Laura said, to be the seed people, to not only be complained, point out, this is like, look at Klaus Schwab, oh my God, what he's doing. But what can we do, you know what I mean, to align more with truth? And truth yeah. in that sense is being with the truth of your being, with divine will that's kind of like, you know, can help the shift, so to speak. And that's that's why we're here, I think, all of us in our own way. And we are, need to, uh, you know, contribute in our own unique way. That's really what it comes down to. Yeah, I agree. I don't think anything can really stop the trajectory of what's taking place, but it doesn't mean that individuals have to take part in it. You know, just like we chose yeah. not to get the vaccine, we're going to choose not to get exactly. the microchip. You know, there's going to be this distorted reality that carries on. Obviously, yeah. it's going to be a train wreck and, you yeah. know, we'll be, we'll be in the position to observe it. But at the same time, it's important that we create our own systems, create our own value, um, you know, yeah. in conjunction exactly. with what's happening. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and then there's always there's also the unknown to embrace the mystery to also know that I, I I'm not in control of this fully here. I cannot, you know, it's it's impossible. Yeah, we can so, do our part, but yeah. you know, we're part of a a collective consciousness too. You know, so yeah. I think the raising of the collective consciousness is is a good strategy right now. I mean, I would love to see on a timeline though, like e not Elon Musk, but Kanye West president. Like I want to, I want to see this happen. This I mean, guy, he's yeah. been the most canceled, um, uh, like over the past few weeks or no, Alex Jones too would be a great uh, president. Maybe Pluto and Aquarius can bring us something uh, like that in the U.S. That's <laughs> hilarious. Yeah. It's so interesting. Now I'm seeing people, you know, call out like Kanye West and Candace Owens and all these people that's like controlled opposition. Oh, yeah. I, I, Not I, everybody. I, I, everybody's yeah. controlled opposition. Yeah. yeah. Everyone. I'm sorry. The, even to the extent that he's gotten like hardcore canceled, <laughs> it means that he's rocking a boat. They wouldn't, yeah. they wouldn't do this to this extent if he wasn't causing a problem, I feel. No, I even wrote an article about this a few months ago because I see this, this thing term controlled opposition be thrown around like like candy in these days yeah, 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 everybody yeah. we've, been, we've been called controlled opposition and and i'm controlled opposition too that's why we i'm on your podcast that's right. I've, controlled that. I've been called controlled opposition i'm a cia agent i'm part of the illuminati and all these kind of things yeah yeah, yeah. um but yeah, it's just fascinating, like um, this black and without any evidence, first of all, just because of their assumptions it's of some connections they make up in their head. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's they have status. Exaggerated... Anyone that has status, anyone that's built exactly. themselves up to have some kind of value, there's yeah. no way that's possible unless they're in on the game. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And, you know, I can see gatekeepers like Ben Shapiro. I can see him as like, um, you know, I'm not a big, you know, even Joe Rogan. But they all play yeah. the role, you know what I mean? Yeah, That's yeah. what I see. I don't, you know, I'm sure he's also aware, like more or less of the social game of like what to talk about, what not to talk about on the basic self-preservation level. Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> That's right. Because he's even, 
Yeah. That's it. Like I got 11 yeah. million listeners and I'm, and I, I've created a life, a lifestyle. Some people are just like, okay, I can, I can push the edge a little bit, but I'm not going to take it to a certain level. Yeah. The other thing is you have people who want everyone to think exactly like them. So if you have yeah. someone who's been like waking people up to like vaccine safety, but then maybe has a different opinion on something else, it's like these controlled opposition. Oh, yeah. and you're just, that's like, actually, what yeah, that's, that's a, it's, it's yeah. called splitting. We see things as like all good or all bad and people is all good and all bad. And it's actually, again, it's a defense mechanism, you know, to see the nuance is actually a sign that you've done proper shadow work because you don't split mm. in that way. Yeah. Even, even I have to be honest, like Alex Jones, I always thought he's Contel Pro and like, you know what I mean? Back in the days. Mm -hmm. But now looking at him, I can see more the role he plays. And actually, thanks to Laura showing me his astrology chart, it makes completely <laughs> sense the way he acts. You Sun know? conjunct Jupiter in Aquarius, so, square Mars and Taurus. Yeah, like so he's just like, a, yeah. like, yeah, He's yeah, a loose yeah. cannon, you know what I mean? You know what's okay. interesting too? Kanye also, West had a Sun conjunct Jupiter thing. So you see like their kind of uh, confidence and they just go there, you know? That's, that's yeah. that kind of like Jupiter expansion. Yeah. Cool. Mm. Well, this has been a fascinating conversation. We've bridged a fair bit from where we started, but I think it was all very, very necessary and worthwhile. Um, yeah. Guys, what are you guys up to these days? Um, you want to share with our audience what's what's going on for you and how they can get in touch and anything you're offering? Yeah, so we're going to do another round of Embodied Soul Awakening. It's what, the 10th time the we've 10th done this time program? Group program, Time of Transition Embodied Soul Awakening. So it's basically awesome. a 14, it's now a 14 week program Extended of out. holistic self work. We do yeah. the psychological, the spiritual, esoteric, and a like, really um, experiential container, basically. Yeah, combining it all. Yeah, so you can go to veilofreality.com, my website. No, no, no. The, the, direct, the, direct, oh, direct, the direct, the direct, the direct, the direct, the time of transition. The transition.com yeah. and you can find out all the information about it and it's yeah. going to start december 26 till april 3rd is going to be and it's limited to 35 people and by application only yes so that's how we because cool. this work again our work is not for everyone you know but we want people who are sincere want to, it's a deep dive yeah um, it's, it's a pretty intense program it's pretty intense we've, we've gone that a lot yeah <laughs> So, but so, that's offering them. We have our, our podcast as well, Cosmic Matrix Podcast, where Laura and I yes. we have released episodes every two weeks. And then my website, a lot of writings, a lot of videos, veilofreality.com. Yeah, and I started anyway. a couple of YouTube videos, a little talking, my, my own videos a little bit on uh, my YouTube channel. It's also youtube.com slash time of transition. People can check it out there. Yeah, man, I've enjoyed your articles over the years. So, anyone listening, check out um, Bernard's articles. Uh, Laura on Twitter, you're awesome. I love your posts as well. And guys, really, just thank you so much for coming on and just being real. So I think it's what I mean. I respect about you. I think Joel as well. I just love how real you are. I love how you show up as as a couple. And it's just grateful to, grateful to know you. And uh, I'm so happy we had this conversation. It's definitely yeah. a lot of fun. Awesome. Thank you so much. And also congratulations to you guys. You guys have been, a, you know, I know how it is to keep out episodes consistently. <laughs> you know what I mean? Special guests. So you guys have have been on the ball. How many episodes you guys have so far? This is 94. 94. 94. Oh, wow. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Because remember yeah. when you guys started out, was a couple of years ago? When it was? I mean, we started a year and a half ago. Yeah, that's awesome. Man. Yeah. 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 So, it's been fun. Work. Yeah, we we, we generators, man. We can't stop now. We're, just, we're too committed. <laughs> 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 but yeah, guys, I echo everything you asked said. Thank you so much for being, you know, incredible voices of reason throughout this time. And I highly implore everyone, if they feel the call, to go check out Bernard and Laura's work. Thank you so much for listening. We truly appreciate it. And we'll see you next time. Take care. Thank you. Thank Take you. Care. Peace. Smoke and mirrors, I'm seeing through the illusion. 
Waking up in a time they think you're in a delusion Somebody set the alarms cause they be too busy snoozing I'm in a DeLorean Fast forward in evolution to a place where we can share our confusions Yeah, 450 BC, I'm sharing tea with confusion